0: Welcome to Arts. We're really struggling how to introduce this podcast because we're both
1: like we tried through another one, everyone. Ride through oh another gosh. one. There we go.
0: Oh my gosh. We had like if you love if you have any elders in you life in your life that you love um and you want to know how to care for them better um and have a better vision of what elder care can look like in our country then you like you have to watch all the way to the end of this episode like okay and cry talk along anymore. with us <laughs> <laughs>
1: what you know i think what we were talking before we filmed this intro of what my trigger point was for crying but i as he was talking i met when i first met you stanzi i thought oh i wish my my family had access to this when my dad was going through all of his cancer stuff and he was young and i obviously was young i was in second grade and i thought oh i wish we had access to heart's need art then but then as we're talking today, I thought, what about the other side of that? Like, not when you're like my grandma, like that entire, like, I, that like never crossed my mind until today, kind of, you know, <laughs> like, like
0: connected for the first time,
1: yeah, of why aren't more people because you sort of get to like, we were talking about in the in the episode kind of like, what's the easiest way or they've given up or they don't care anymore or mm-hmm. they don't want to learn or you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And it, it's like, that's so stupid. It's, in- <laughs>
0: it's inhumane. I, yeah. Yeah. So today we're talking to assured um, assisted living, Francis and Blair from assured assistant living in Colorado. And they have a, a new approach to how to do elder care that centers around a home model like a pod model where there's six to eight residents in a facility and there's you know some of the staff that serve them are are in. it's better care it's a better experience for the for the um the residents and it's less costly like that was the thing that blew my mind like Rans- francis is going to talk about it at the end um but anyway it's he just has such an amazing vision and he did just when he was just nom- or given the honor of being one of the top 100 healthcare visionaries by the international forum on advancements in healthcare i met him um last month or a, a few months ago and why was that why
1: did you, how did you meet him how did that come about why were you there
0: well <laughs> because i am also um, was also named one of the top 100 um, visionaries in healthcare. I'll add a like clapping, yelling thing <laughs> when I edit this. Yeah, it just was such a cool conference to meet all these amazing people that have a vision for what the future of care should can look like and should look like and are already doing the work to to move us that direction. And Francis was one of those people that I got to meet that I was like, oh my gosh, we have to have you on our podcast so you can share about this awesome yeah. stuff that you're doing.
1: And thankfully, Blair jumped on as well. He's the um, art therapist at Assured mm-hmm. Assisted Living, and it was great to see his perspective as as a male art artist yeah. working with older males. We talked about that because that's sometimes a hard demographic to
0: <laughs> engage in the arts.
1: Yes, and how he does that. Mm.
0: <clears throat> yeah. It was cool. Yeah. And then stay tuned at the very end. We have our very own Elaine. Um, one of our artists has a really wonderful, fun, accessible arts activity that you can do um, with your family. If you have a loved one that you're caring for that has um, dementia, it's a good idea. It's just some an idea of some, something that you can do with them and engage, um, engage with people that you love.
1: And very, it's a very easy project called take a line for a walk which is one of my favorites to do oh yeah
0: That's with one of my people
1: favorites. um yeah so she teaches us how to do that and you don't need a lot of supplies um and no skill so, needed <laughs> no skills you need to have
0: can you scribble you can Great. scribble
1: and we you can even do it with your eyes closed because i asked <laughs> her so while you're listening run around your house you'll need like markers something to color with colors of some sort paper and uh pen and
0: pen pen or a
1: sharpie depending on what if you're using markers or not so very easy stuff and it's a really cool project um so there you go um he is an innovator a visionary a podcaster an entrepreneur and he's improving the lives of those aging by challenging the way we age and uh francis is dedicated to changing the way we provide care to our seniors and uh he's doing it and Listen to the next 45 minutes to hear how. So here is our interview with Blair and Francis from Assured Assisted Living.
0: Enjoy. For the health of it, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary.
2: I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody. And I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. Oh. Oh
1: oh! Francis and Blair, thank you so much I'm for the first
2: Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, Excited I'm, to be here.
1: Good. I'm we're excited to have you because this is a really great opportunity to talk about creativity and the elderly. If you both want to introduce yourselves and tell everybody um where you work and you know what, why you work there.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, so I'm I'm with Assured Assisted Living here in Colorado, and uh, yeah, I, I'm an Engagement and Activities Director, and just uh, first and foremost, uh, want to help uh, uh, the uh, memory care and Alzheimer's sector, uh, dementia sector of our uh, society and population, and really plugged into Assured Assisted Living as an art therapist that we could see that uh, they had a high demand for quality care, um, really being in touch with their um, residents, their staff, and uh, really wanting to provide everything um, a resident needs to progress through all these life-changing uh, periods of their um, of their uh, older life and just wanting to be able to support that and uh, expand on it, broaden it, take it to other levels but uh, just really loving um, uh, what Francis is doing mm-hmm. and uh, everybody on the administrative staff, their heart and uh, soul and heads are really into, uh, helping the residents and just making a better life for them.
0: Hmm. How long I can't you wait. Be- to- oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're so excited to talk to you. We all have questions. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear more about like some of the specifics of what you're doing. But Richard, did you have a follow up question first?
1: How long have you been an art therapist, and how did you find out what art therapy is?
3: Well, um, I was an art major in school and, and did a lot of design in my early career, And um, but uh, started helping others in teaching, in a teaching mode of all ages, um, but really fell in love with this sector of our society and um, just the, the needs that they had, uh, fell in love with that. Um, based on you know personal experiences with uh, loved ones that I had uh, just uh, really lured me into that area and uh, just really wanted to use my love for art and creative expression to help bridge uh, gaps in their lives. So for 10 years plus, I was doing that as an art therapist and uh, just wanted to take on more um, of a role and um, helping them in other areas of that uh, bridging and uh, just wanting to improve their lifestyle Um, and being uh, that person with Assured Assisted Living, it was just a seamless and has been a great transition into all aspects of engagement.
1: Francis, do we want to try Francis? We've been having some technical issues today on the podcast, and we're going to attempt to I'm talk talking Francis. I think,
2: I think I'm here. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and kind of the echo off Blair, um, We're we're a little bit of a different model than a lot of the mainstream might be used to. We're purpose-built ranch-style homes that support 8 to 12 older adults predominantly having some type of physical or cognitive limitations. Uh, We work with a wide range of those different types of dementia and all, I guess, stages, levels, depending on your term. We even work with some brain injury as well. And what's really important for us is that person is really getting away from putting that diagnosis ahead of the person. Because as Blair alluded to, his amazing work is pulling that happiness out of some people by engaging them at where they are that day. And Mm -hmm. I think that really matters for any type of therapy, especially with creative therapy and uh, Blair's level of, of compassion and patience goes a long way because he has got several of our residents to submit art through Memories in the Making with the Alzheimer's Association that have gone to auction.
4: So he has done
2: amazing work with some of our our residents to promote their artwork, even though they have these cognitive challenges. And that's because of the approach that we, that Blair and the team takes of, we don't need to care plan to the masses. We focus on what that person needs for their purpose Mm -hmm. and for that day.
0: Mm. Oh my gosh. I just love this so much. You, and you're, one of the founders of this organization, right? Yes,
2: I am. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have a business partner as well too. So,
0: okay. So can you tell a little bit of your story about like how you came into this work Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit of the, the, those early days?
2: Sure. The early days. (laughs) So my business partner, Brian Turner and I, uh, we both went to the university of Michigan together, uh, ran track there. He was a much better runner than I was. He was a distance runner. I was a sprinter, but uh, that's where we got to know each other. And, Uh, Out of most of the people that were our kind of track friends, him and I had a a similar vision for just how you do things. And uh, we talked for several years about opportunities, things like that. Um, But then it really came down to some of the personal stories um, that we were running into with his grandmother, my grandfather's one had dementia, one had Parkinson's, his -hmm. grandmother had, um, you know, aging issues as well, too. And his mother was a nurse. So as Brian says, it's a lot of personal stories and desire for entrepreneurship. But also to kind of shake it up a little bit, we were in our, our mid to late 20s when we started our first company, which was a non-medical home care, private duty home care, that we would have one caregiver go into the particular client's home and spend you know, one, two, 24 hours there. Hmm. And then 2013, a lot of our clients, after about three years, were asking, what's next? We don't want that big institutional feel of 100, 150 bed type traditional uh, residence, We wanted something more intimate. So we moved to look into the residential model of that residential assisted living. And in 2014, we built our first 12 bed over in Lakewood, just west of kind of downtown Denver and began to run with it ever since and really Mm. trying to push the envelope. Now, after 11 years, I think we've seen we need to shake it up. You know, COVID highlighted some challenges for all of Mm. us. And it also highlighted that if we, if we don't make changes now, 10 years are going to be here before we know it. And so mm-hmm. we really want to be forward thinking and push the envelope on technology, on engagement, on the person, and getting away from the stigma that's in the industry for aging right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about how COVID affected your work? How that is different than how it may have affected a traditional, um, live, traditional health, care, health care?
2: So yeah, and I'll have Blair dive in with some of the engagement, but a lot of it was we just um, were able to pod each house. So because we had eight to nine residents in each house, we really buttoned that up as the single family unit. And a lot of our locations have a staff housing tied right to it. So we were able to just basically pot it up and even our admins would just kind of really pod. So we went cross-contaminate. I hate that word contaminate, but <laughs> kind of spread it across because mm-hmm. that was our biggest fear was the outside people. And so Blair though did a really good job of building virtual and you know supportive engagement across it so we were still able to hybrid it in some capacity and we didn't have the same level of isolation because we kept it as such a tight family unit we were bringing in extra stuff for staff and residents so we didn't want them to have to go out and Mm. so we really you know buttoned it up to keep it as safe as we could
0: and how do you think that experience of your residence was different than a resident that may have been a traditional nursing home
2: They were definitely not locked in their rooms. They were able to still get out and keep it in that tight family unit. Yes, we did our social distancing as best we could. Yes, we kept them separated as best we could, but they were still hearing the sound engaging from a distance. We were not promoting being in their rooms because as we know, cognitive challenges, when you have isolation, Mm. things change depression, anxiety, decline of cognitive ability accelerates. So mm-hmm. I think our team, no, I know, I know our team did an amazing job to limit the effects of that. And I think it really showed by our occupancy staying strong, low number of COVID testing that were for positive cases, and also the way our staff just stepped up and did an amazing work.
0: Well and leading into that, can Blair, can you talk about what it's like, what it was like engaging your clients in the arts during COVID um, and just what you're doing now, what do you see in the future? I just would love to hear all the, some of the cool stuff you're doing.
3: It, it did uh, bring some challenges, um, but it made us think a little differently and maybe it got us a little closer to the pulse of what the residents needed um, just when they're feeling a little more isolated Whether it's, you know, they were being shared some of this information on, you know, news or family or whatever, Uh, a lot of them were aware of things going on with COVID, um, which was amazing. And uh, some of them, coming from medical backgrounds, kind of had a sympathy about that. And so, um, whether they knew it or not, they still wanted something engaging. You could tell they didn't want to feel uh, socially in the background Hmm. of the world. And so that started us thinking about what can we do to approach and uh, comfort them as well as engage them and still get or have some creative experiences for them. Hmm. So, you know, looking at technology, you know, we started putting our music therapists online. Um, having them sing to them remotely. We started looking at websites that offered virtual tours of museums and zoos. We took advantage of webcams that were in like um, a bear's habitat, so they could kind of keep their eye on them (laughs) and just kind of see some things. Um, We were in touch with some drama clubs for schools and organizations, and they put on plays through YouTube. So they really enjoyed these things. But then we started thinking, hey, um, from a virtual experience, why not see um, with the right company um, what we can do virtually in a three-dimensional capacity, uh, introduce them to that realm and see where that goes. Mm. So when we got a hold of uh, the Endeavor virtual reality system, with the, you know, great support from Francis, you know, just falling in love with the technology and what the capabilities were, and um, uh, him and I talking about all this, you know, we started introducing the residents to experiences with animals, Hmm. experiences that they could relate to on farms they grew up in, um, and around animals. So we were able, been able to see farms, we've been able to see animals in the wild, Um, they've been able to see um, animals like elk and deer and bear come up to the camera and walk by, and you have them reaching out and wanting to touch and feel what's going on. So, um, and even being able to start thinking in another level with that, how about handing them some tactile samples that they can touch and feel, and get a little fur experience with their touch while they're looking at the bear. And so these are things that we're you know taking off with. But also, um, the socialization with the residents has really taken off. Um, we we have residents all of a sudden uh, that talk to each other. And as we're sharing different vignettes and slideshows from uh, all different states, they look at each other and say, I didn't know you lived in North or South Dakota. When did you live there? I lived there this time. And, Oh, what, what city did you live in? Well, I, mm-hmm. I lived in this city and how about you? And so they're having communication with each other. Um, and all the rest of the residents are enjoying this, you know, it, it's, they're not just, objects, people sitting at a table, having a meal, looking at each other anymore, it's, you know, they're engaging, they're part of the world and Mm -hmm. they have so much to share, right? Um, The greatest generation, right? And, and, And then some, share with each other, share with us, share with the staff. The staff is totally eating this up. You know, they love it. They love to hear the experiences of the residents. Uh, You know, it just lights up the whole house. And because we're in a smaller setting, we can do this all in the same room, Um, whether they're in their chairs, you know, expanding into the dining area. We can have all these experiences all in the same room, whether it's during COVID or post-COVID. You know, we can have all these things interacting and taking place Mm -hmm. all the time. And the fun part is... Yes, it's during the experience, but afterwards, their whole day changes. That hmm. they're they have a fuse that's lit for the whole day, and they put on a happy face. I can then move seamlessly right into art therapy with them, and they love it. I mean, the, you get people who have never even tried painting; they want to sit down and they want to create something. They're yeah. ready. They've been all this stuff has been stimulated in them they they want to expose it they want to exercise it so it's just so much fun to just kind of help guide them through those things put paper in front of them put a paintbrush pen whatever and then have them start creating different things for some guys they want to touch a piece of wood they want to start painting wood or something like that because that's what they're used to doing you know it it just stimulates so much for them and it's just been Kind of a great marriage, really, in all these different aspects. Um, whether or not we would have still gone down this road because of COVID, who knows? But I think we would have ended up coming back to this at some point for sure, because it, it was out there. And as technology has grown, right? They, you know, they the last twenty years is the same as the last two hundred years, right? So, yeah, I think it, it all trickles down to our setting in our environment, in our population of residents that are ready for all this too. There's nothing saying that they can't, they're too old for this, they can't enjoy this. Um, so why not just you know, bridge those gaps of methodology as well as experiences, as well as socialization between them and everybody else. And it's amazing when families come in or they talk to them on the phone right after they've had this session, they're like, oh my gosh, they can't talk fast enough. They want to share it all with their son, with their daughter, uh, with their loved ones about what's going on in their day. So it's pretty cool. That's so
0: sweet. Oh my
3: gosh. I have so many questions.
0: (laughs) What You
1: brought up um, men and painting what Historically, I found since working with Hearts Need Art that it's a lot tougher to engage men in, especially art classes. Music is a little bit easier, but art classes, do you have any problem with that? Do you like, is it easy for you to get people to engage men to engage? And if so, how do you
3: do it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it helps that Blair is a, is a man too.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. But it's, (laughs) You know, I'm not to say, I I mean, we all learn from trial and error, right? So it's, you know, um, you go through the lessons of hard knocks and you can't just expect someone to just take off wanting to do something just because they're watching other people. But I always introduce our new residents, come up to the table, just watch, no pressure at all. I don't want to put something in front of them that they expect to do. I just want them to experience and get exposed to it. Um, maybe by the second or third session, they're actually picking up the paintbrush. They're actually playing around with it. Maybe they're even putting their fingers in the paint. You know, that's, that's all good. That's all good, right? It's all senses and it's all touching. Um, but I'll, I'll also have conversations with them and ask them, do you like wood? Do you like the smell of wood? Um, if I bring some wood objects and they smell it, oh man, right away, because of that kicking the gear of the senses, it takes them back to other things. I'll bring a little piece of sandpaper. They just start messing with that. Um, I give them a paintbrush and they said, Well, what do you think about this birdhouse? What color would you like that to be? Um, oh, I don't know. I used to build some of these things for my kids or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, that sounds good. Um, what paint, what color did you paint it when it was done? Oh, I always chose blue. You know, they always love blue. So I said, okay, great. And of course, blue, as most of us know, is a very calming, soothing color um, in the sensory, you know, spectrum. So uh, they pick up the brush. Hey, let's try some blue. And of course, I I have some choices there. I pop the lids off of our little tempera paints um we don't i don't like using oils i don't want to go that road or anything so you know and they just start messing with that and sometimes that'll last 10 minutes sometimes it'll last an hour you know and if they want to finish more i'll say hey okay if you're tired that's okay uh let's let this dry and when i come back we'll continue with that how does that Mm -hmm. sound and so yeah it's trying to find something and Sometimes it's just the object itself. If I know they're sports minded, and I can bring them something like a a baseball or something, and say, "How would you like to paint this baseball?" You know, or "How would you like to do something with this?" Or mm-hmm. they like wood. They mm-hmm. like animals. How about this elephant, this wolf, this dog? Um, how would you like to paint him? And just do that. And sometimes they want to talk just as much as you know paint so it's like okay great and then you get other people joining in the conversations and Mm -hmm. it's a great session we get some little music in the background and um you know maybe there's a smell of cookies in the kitchen or some aromatherapy going on oh my gosh who's not in a good mood after that or (laughs) with that right um so yeah all those things all help
0: (laughs) richard is any of this sounding familiar
1: Yes, and then it reminded me. Here in in Texas, our like H E B big grocery store just came out with a candle that was like their brownie and chocolate chip and like buttered tortilla, and I was like, okay, now I am getting it. Now here is the aromatherapy that we would do here in Texas; it would smell like tortillas. Uh, Francis, um, I have a question for you. Were you an artistic and creative child? And then the bounce off <laughs> that, like, was, where where did music and art therapy, like, why was that important for you to bring in to your community? And when did that happen? Did it happen in the planning stages where you're like, this is mm-hmm. part of what we need to do? Or did that kind of come later? Uh
2: not sure how artistic or creative I was as a child. Um, I was definitely in athletics and breaking things. And yeah, I mean, uh, I, uh, I I think my, importance of, of, I mean, I did have, you know, I enjoyed the art classes I did in high school and stuff, clay and things like that. I wasn't very good at it, but I did enjoy just that desire to kind of manipulate something. And I loved Legos and, and those type of things. Um, that was more my brain set was more that engineering, build something, kind of play with it, that approach. Um, but really it's kind of, as I began to dive deeper into what what we're facing as we age, this desire that we've got to all of a sudden have this cutoff of like, all right, you're older. You can't do anything like, okay, you're done. Like Mm -hmm. that, that bothers, that Mm bothered me still bothers me to this day of this idea that because you have X, you can't do Y. And like, that makes like, we've become this idea we have to bubble wrap or prevent people from hurting or experiencing new things because we're afraid of the negative. But in free, in reality, if we're pushing ourselves, no matter what's going on, there's not a lot of negative. There really isn't. And I think we have to get away from this stigma that someone living with dementia can't learn anything or do something new is such Mm. a fallacy that they might not remember it tomorrow, Hmm. but with the right approach, with the right engagement, they're going to be in that moment. Hmm. And that's what matters is that 30 minutes, that 10 minutes, that, that hour. And so it's been at our core belief from the beginning that care matters more than anything else. And not just the physical care, but the social and mental care that goes with it. And mm-hmm. so, yes, for Brian and I, from day one, it's how do we better make sure we take care of all aspects of the person, not just their physical needs, but the social, the emotional, all of those components that matter maybe a little bit more than just those physical.
0: Hmm. I, I'm curious, and this question can go for either of you um what data you might have from your program about the impact of some of some of these interventions or research that you know have that's mm-hmm. been done in this space or maybe just like then maybe it's the need for data from this from these types of interventions uh,
2: blair i don't think we've i think blair would have more <laughs> anecdotal data from his the immediate impact i mean i've walked in the houses where he's going on and you can feel the energy so that's probably the best data we have. Yes, we we should be collecting more data. I will just say that I really will. <laughs> um, but I think no judgment
0: what, here. <laughs> no, but
2: I just think what we go off of, and I'll let Blair dive in after this, is just the positive experience that we hear right after or right during that. I mean, you walk mm-hmm. in, and we've had several families, especially of male residents, that go, "Oh, my dad never would paint. My dad wouldn't do this." And we're like, "Oh, you should see what he's doing because it's really good." I'm like what? <laughs> You got him to sit down to paint. And I'm like, Blair did. Yes. And they're like, oh, okay. So that right there is equally as important, right? Is getting a person to try something new.
3: Yeah. Being able to try uh, different things with them um, and just being able to um, go from place to place, each of our locations kind of Uh, springboarding off of one place that works one place to another place but still kind of doing a little customizing along the way Um, we can become our own demographic in some ways uh, but also when you look at studies and I love the things that Francis shares online and connecting to other people in the industry and, and, and mind sharing some different things and listening in on, you know, uh, different virtual workshops and things like that, you get a chance to see what's going on out there with everybody else and what kind of challenges they're coming across. And so you start, in a way, unofficially kind of formulating some things and what, what they're up against. And And so you want to be able to continue down the road you're going down to make an impact, but mm-hmm. then also... You can never uh, be too deep to learn a new trick or to Mm. learn a new tool or something like that. We all borrow from each other and that's what, you know, it's really all about is best practices and being able to use those Mm. and move forward with those that you see other people are using. Um, And whether it's through the Alzheimer's Association and some of the things that they get to share or everyday people, I love talking to families who come in, whether they're visiting for the first time or their loved one's been there for over a year. I like to hear some of the things that they came across when their loved one either lived with them or was somewhere else, some of the things they're seeing out there, because a lot of families stay in touch with each other. Um, They make friends. Uh, during COVID, it wasn't so much going on that way, but it's starting again to happen that way. Uh, and you like to just hear those stories and just kind of sit back and let them chat and, and just kind of take that away and, and know that, okay, there is a good difference being made here. And you can kind of measure that with what once was and what is now. And when they see, say to you that they see a difference... their loved one, man, it means the world. It Mm -hmm. really does. Who else knows them better than them, right? I mean, we know them from the capacity we've dealt with them and lived with them, but to, you know, see what we're seeing, uh, talk amongst ourselves with the staff and things that they're coming across now, but, uh, you know, bridge and add that together with what the families have seen in the past and now in the present. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and that's, that's our thumbs up. Keep, keep it going. Keep it going.
0: So it sounds like me, correct me if this is, this is wrong, but it sounds like there's general principles that come from um, art therapy and best practices. But at the end of the day, you're still having to use your creativity to connect with that individual person, figure out what they love and what they care about like you said, meet them where they are each day. Um, And it's a whole new thing and experience. um, And that that's what drives the transformation.
3: Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah, be ready for change. Right. Um, Never be get complacent, but be ready for change. Each Mm -hmm. day might be, you know, they may be having a tough day, you know, medication isn't quite, affecting them in a positive way on that particular day or something, little aches and pains or something like that. Um, Number one, never force them to do something they don't want to do. And if they're having a bad day, just have them sit back, relax, watch others, listen to the music, the smells, the sights, and let that be the therapy, you know, Mm. for them on that particular day. Um, respect them, respect where they are, respect the fact that they've come a long way, respect that, mm. you know, they just want to be included and acknowledge that, oh, I'm sorry, you're not having a very good day. Um, but you know, we love that you're here with us.
0: Can I ask a question that kind of tags onto that? Cause there's maybe some people listening that have, um, someone living with dementia in their lives, maybe maybe that family member or loved one is living at home with them. Maybe they're not in a facility at the moment. Do you guys have any um, practical advice that you might share with someone that you've learned from your experience that that you know a family caregiver might be able to apply to and do with their loved one at home?
2: I would think there's, I'd say three things that I always focus on. Uh, one is the self-care of that family caregiver. If you're completely fried as a caregiver, it doesn't matter. Good, bad. The situation's always going to be a little more amped up. There's going to be more energy in that situation. So I think setting time for your self-care is really critical, even if it's just a five minute decompression or five minute X, that's really important. I think, too, is acknowledging that your loved one is who they are and they might be different and different's okay. Because I really think in finding what I mean by that is not necessarily forcing something that they like to do in the past. If we know there's something new and creative, they might enjoy doing now in their current diagnoses. Hmm. So I think having, like Blair said, being prepared for that change, um, good, bad, or otherwise is really important. And I also think building out your circle, having your support system there with you, not trying to go it alone because... Hmm. Um, you know, I love Tipa Snow and her philosophy. That's a lot of where, you know, a lot of rooted in that positive approach because I'm a firm believer the approach matters. And um, she says something that the minute you start realizing that you need your team around you, whether that's family, friends, professionals, I think that's equally as important so that you don't feel alone. Because one of the biggest things that I've seen, I'm sure Blair has, is when residents first get to us, the the, the the spouse, if they're the caregiver, seems to be actually more physically tired and worn down than the resident mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. And so you need that support around you. And then also try to have fun. Look for the bright spots. Like mm-hmm. look for the window moments. Those really cool things that are said or done that that bring joy and, and honor those and enjoy those, not just focusing on the changes that are occurring, but those window moments, those really cool little bright spots, even if it's for 30 seconds, but hmm. enjoy that.
0: And it sounds like the arts can kind of contribute to that, can kind of oh,
2: for sure, create that, some ab- of those moments. Absolutely.
3: <laughs> I, I think so. I, I know when I'm having a tough day uh, and the things that work for me is go outside, get a breath of fresh air. Uh, go down the road, um, go see a display of art somewhere, or go listen to some music outside. And who wouldn't want to go? You know, whether you're caring for someone under your own roof, and uh, take a break. You know, like Francis said, I agree everything 100% with what he said. But yeah, they can take care of themselves and go do that and unplug. But also them and their loved one So it's not just in that setting, in those four walls every day, get outside, do a little recreation, and go listen to some music, go to an art show, Mm -hmm. Um, go go to the art museum, and wheel them through that. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if they're, uh, you know, you can talk them into just saying, I know you like to walk, and we'll be able to do a little walking here. But I'm going to push you on it with a wheelchair today, so you can relax and enjoy seeing what's displayed here that we're going to go see today. And there's so many cool things that they see when they see art or something, whether it's made out of wood or they see a a picture painted of a of a setting or a landscape. And wow, now that looks like Iowa, or that looks like such and such place that I grew up. And yeah, it does. So oh, you and mom were there, weren't you? And yeah, that's right, we were. Uh, you know, knowing those conversations and seeing that, um, it, it's all a good stimulation. Then when they get back home again, they're refreshed, maybe even take another little break, that so the loved one can kind of, you know, get their rest, you get to go have your coffee drink of some kind that you can relax and and do and just kind of unwind a little and know you just contributed not just to that day but a reset a reset of the next week a reset of something else hmm. so all, all good stuff for those who are dealing with that
1: hmm. we touched on self-care and I know uh this question is for both of you, but we'll start with Blair. As someone who spends his days getting other people to create art and use the art, sometimes you forget that you also have to do it. So what was the last creative thing you've done for yourself?
3: Um, Let's see.
1: Look at Francis is thinking like, oh, I'm going to need an answer for this. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to ask me next. I can feel it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep. You're right. um, yeah. And, you know, sometimes I uh, I love doing this because I actually have a couple of grandchildren. So I I love just being able to create something for them and show them when we're when we're zooming or Skyping or something, um, being able to do that and share that experience with somebody else. I like to sketch. And when I travel, whether it's a day trip or out of town, I always have a small sketchbook with me. And, um, so yeah, the last time I was out of town, I had that with me and I could just whip out a a little bit of a sketch and it is, it's, it's so relaxing. You get to get back to the basics of things. Um, as well as when you're around the house and you're doing things, I mean, there's probably things that I neglect and just so I can go do the fun things at home, you know, and, uh, you know, even if it's just like, I'm going to cut the grass a different way today, you know, or something like that. I'm just I I want it to look like a baseball field today, whereas another day I may go in circles or something just to (laughs) kind of get uh, a different thing going. And and it's just kind of a fun outlet for me to do little things like that. Um, And yeah, so that's that's always kind of a, you know, carry on to other parts of life that way.
0: Great answer. That's a good idea.
1: Yeah. All right,
2: Francis, I hope you're ready. <laughs> All right. I'm, glad you let, his eyes I'm glad you let Blair go first. Like, really, he is his answer far, will be
1: like, I mow my lawn in a circle.
2: Yes, <laughs> uh, he is by far more creative than I will ever be. Um, but I think, I mean, I, I think that's one area that I have to, you know, I'm always trying to get better at is, is that mindfulness around myself as well, too. I think it's, I do, you know, struggle at times uh, acknowledging that, yeah, we have to have those own self-cares as well, too. Um, I do have three young kids. I have a five-year-old daughter, a three-and-a-half-year-old son, and a nine-month-old son. So uh, I would say probably the last. I'm busy. I'm a little bit. <laughs> I got a fantastic wife. She's amazing. She's a rock star. So she is, uh, allows me to do the things that that we do here uh, because of the support i have from her so um you know it's huge for, for us um we have probably the last i did i think uh the most recent over the weekend i, I built a tr- was finishing up building like a little patio that we can set our, our garbage cans on so i was in the dirt Ooh. digging breaking up rocks so i do enjoy that type of uh you know, type of work is a creative standpoint um, yeah. at times, depending yeah. on as long, as it's not 100 degrees like it was when yeah. I decided to do <laughs> oh, it. no. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's
3: hard. Because our
2: neighbors were coming by going, Why did you pick today of all oh. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. Yeah, I um, think that's
0: something important that like creativity and expression mm-hmm. isn't just confined to like paint and a sketch miss, pad man. or playing an instrument, that it really mm-hmm. how we move through life and find joy and. Um, transform the spaces around us. Like that's all part of expression and creativity.
2: And I think Blair summed it up really well when he was talking about, I think um, Richard, you asked about the men. The idea that art has to be this one form, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when Blair mentioned bringing in the wood and the sandpaper and, you know, and even, you know, we've have, we have we gar- we have have stand up gardens at most of our locations, if not all, um, um, that a lot of them tend to and help plant. I mean, okay. the idea of giving that, Power for them to know it's theirs, and can mold it into whatever they see. I think that is art, right? That ability to, to take something around you and shape it to what you want it to be. I think we have to remember that is art, right? It's not just paints and and you know um, you know oils and those and sketches. It's playing in the dirt and building something, repairing something, or or, or that goes a long way for that artistic expression as well, too. Mm.
0: I have two more questions for you, Francis. Richard might have others, but um, sorry, Richard. <laughs> like, I have so many questions. <laughs> sorry, uh, it's a
1: nine-hour podcast this <laughs> weekend. We just have
0: you forever. <laughs> no, so uh, so a couple questions. Um, one is there might be people listening that maybe are in this industry that are mm-hmm. like, oh, that sounds like a nice idea, but there's no way that's cost effective. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. And then mm-hmm. also... If you can make wave a magic wand, mm-hmm. what would elder care look like in our country? So those, okay. you know, just um,
2: so and, cost end
1: with the magic wand because that's a good place to end that yeah. in the podcast.
2: Um, <laughs> so when you mean cost, you mean like how we implement our current programs, or just in general, or, or what um, do you mean by like cost? Like
0: maybe cost to to residents. Like maybe mm-hmm. someone wants to put would love to put their loved mm-hmm. one in that kind of facility, but would just opt out without even looking into it because they think so
2: we're going to be on average anywhere between a thousand to two thousand less than some of your major providers
0: whoa what Mm -hmm. that's
2: Mm -hmm. what yeah and a lot of that is attributed i believe um to the residential model our our buildings are just different so some of that maintenance some of that upfront cost for the structure Mm -hmm. is different our organizational structure is different as well too from from how you know we we have yes, specific roles. But we also have some blending over of roles as well, too, to help not you know contain some of those costs as well, too. Our biz- biggest expense is our two direct care teams that work with the eight to nine residents. That's where we put our focus. So they have that high level of support and navigation from our team. So we run a very one to four ratio. So that's where we put all of our energy is into our frontline staff. And then our team that includes blair and our nurses and, and our administrators that's where we want that high level build out to support those direct caregivers care partners but also to create that experience so we try to be very you know streamlined and economical when it comes to our our budgeting so we can pass that on to our our residents and their families mm. okay and then a magic wand, a magic wand oh boy um <laughs> how long do you got yeah you, you got a couple out now right, um,
0: 30 seconds
2: yeah uh <laughs> i was uh, at the um i would envision what i would love to see is we stop this idea of segregating that we stop this idea that it has to be a bunch of the same age people living together i think what everybody yearns for as we're growing up is we're surrounded by a wide range of demographics from young kids to older adults living in communities and neighborhoods So I think it has to go back to communities within communities. And I was thinking I was at at an event um, walking down kind of a semi-main street that was created in the suburb of Ohio. And what if you had senior housing right there in the heart of that center where the Mm -hmm. action is going? So no longer do they have to take a bus from some commercial area, but they're right there. They step out the front door and they're in it. They're there in that and you're hearing the kids jumping around. You're seeing restaurants and people shopping and all that stuff. They are the heart of the city center. No longer of this idea of, well, we've got to put them on the high rise off the corner of the highway and that road over there, right? With the other 200 older people. Since when does aging all of a sudden force us to be segregated? I mean, we always want this inclusion across everybody yet when we get older and I guarantee you talk to older adults, they're like, I don't want to live with a bunch of older people. <laughs> you know and, and so i think we have to have that mindset of the inclusion incur and, and not is not just about race and ethnicity it's age too mm. so we need to create this inclusion uh, inclusive aging experience that no matter the level of support they have that personalized touch as they age mm. snaps that
1: yep. brings here that, here that reminds me i wait there's a area in san antonio that that is sort of up and coming so there are mm-hmm. different things coming into it and there are a lot of old homes there and i was mm-hmm. walking by a home to get to a comedy club and there was this like this adorable little woman on the porch and i said oh my gosh i bet she hates living in this area now that everything is like not the same and my friend goes oh i bet she loves it like being around all of those people and watching everybody walk back and forth and all of mm-hmm. the new life. I bet she loves it. And I thought, Oh yeah. Okay. I went right to, <laughs> I think my grandma would probably hate it right <laughs> because it's now, you know, it's not as quiet as it was, but I, the, what an interesting perspective that I never thought of really until you just
2: said that. Cause think about us, you know, we're, we, we, we want to keep changing and evolving as we learn more and we grow, right? It doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. Even if you have a health issue, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Can things be a little more challenging? Sure. But what life is not life is the benefit of life is the challenge. And, And so if we think about it, that everything we do has some inherent challenge to it. Some might be easier. Some might be more difficult, that's what the beauty of the beauty of it is, is the ride is overcoming and navigating those challenges. Because when you look back on your life, you don't want to look back and say, I didn't have an impact on anything. But if you look at that older adult, there sitting on her front porch, her impact was seeing what it was when she moved in to where it is now. So she is indirectly and directly part of that change of that area, because Mm -hmm. she was the first one there. And so we're all where we are today because of our parents, our grandparents, our great-great-grandparents, right? Mm. And just because you're older doesn't mean you can't contribute anything. And just because you have a dementia diagnosis or, I don't know, a a physical ailment, that doesn't mean there isn't ways for you to contribute. It's our job to navigate to get you to contribute how you want to contribute.
0: I've been trying really hard to like not cry during this episode. Oh, like, were,
1: were we supposed to not cry? Because I have <laughs> <pain>. <laughs> my Sorry.
0: So, like my grandmother was dealt with dementia the last several years of her life and was in a nursing home and that was locked down and she was in the four walls of her room the last year of her life and she passed this last spring and mm-hmm. her doctor says she's that they were pretty convinced that she died of loneliness mm-hmm. um, and so it just like. <laughs> I love so much what you guys do. See, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Let's see if I can say this. I love what you guys do. And I'm so grateful um, for the work that you're doing in this space and the way that you're advocating for um, our elder, our elderly. Cause at the end of the day, that's, it's us. Like that's, we're all going to be there one day. And so like, how do, how would we want to be treated? How would we want to live? And it sounds like, you guys are just creating a beautiful picture of that. And I, I'm done. It
2: sounds <laughs> yeah. like
1: Stanzi's going to send you a welcome mat for her room. Yeah. and she's no, well, moving in. Cassandra. To,
2: to I, I think that what it goes back to though, is, is I appreciate that. And our team is amazing. So first off, I give all the credit to the team without a doubt, a hundred percent credit to the team. I'm just blessed to be a part of that. And I mean that sincerely. Um, but what I think is, is both good and bad is, this should be the norm. Yes. This, this, yes. this idea of, of art, you know, you guys struggling at times to get the, the support you need is just mind-boggling. Uh, and, you know, the idea that, you know, the best solutions we come up with are the ones that are 15 years old, yeah. that's, that really triggers me as that, you know, and Blair said it best, complacency. We don't want to set into any type of level of complacency in any capacity. And I feel like for older adults, we've settled. Um, we've settled through Ugh. the path of least resistance, and if we don't force our change through action and things that you guys are doing here on, on, on your amazing podcast, we're going to not be in a good spot in ten years. We're not going to be a good spot in two years, and so that's where you know our energy really is now. Is let's stop this discussion about what we don't like, but let's start to take incremental changes, actions that create Mm -hmm. these increment. I'm not saying big changes. It's just one little small thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and for those, you know, locations that are hesitant to bring in any type of art, find a way to make it work. Even if it's once every two months, you'd be surprised the benefit that -hmm. would come from it. And I think that's what I would say for anybody listening. That's on the fence. Start small.
3: Yeah. Once,
2: once every two months, once a month, you'd be surprised at the positive impact that's going to have on your residents, your staff, Mm -hmm. but also your reputation within the community.
3: Yeah. And don't forget about the younger population too, and get them involved too. Um, after school programs, whatever volunteers bring them in, hmm. they always love to see the kids enjoy being around them. And we we owe it to the next generation to show them by example of what it of what it means to be, and uh, pay it forward that way. Hmm.
0: Well, I don't know how we can top this, Richard. Do you have any? We're final not. Questions? We're gonna. <laughs> we're not gonna
1: top it. Um, how can if people want to connect with either of you? How can they do that if they have questions or ideas or we yeah. need to get Sonja a room or how does this work?
0: <laughs> How do I, How do I move
2: in? Uh, you can always call. I'll uh, give uh, give uh, our emails and then call as well too. You can always call the our main number three zero three eight one four two six eight eight and that just asked for blair or myself blair or francis uh, you can always check us out on assured is our website and you can reach out to either of us by email blair's email is blair at assured and then i am francis at assured al.com so pretty easy
1: We'll put all um, of that in the show notes too. Cool. So it'll yes. be easy yeah. For everyone. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank
2: you. And we really appreciate the opportunity, and um, like I said, uh, Blair deserves an immense amount of credit because mm. when you see it firsthand, it's absolutely incredible.
3: That's well, awesome. yeah, we get we get great support by our our owners and executives and directors, and you know, you can have all the ideas in the world, but when somebody can visualize, it, it means a lot. So, Definitely. yeah. yeah.
0: Well, thank, thank you, you guys both so much for coming on. They well, talked about um,
1: making it easy and accessible. And so we're going to take a break and come back with a very easy and accessible art project with Elaine, who is a um, artist in residence here at Hearts Need Art. So we'll take a break. Thanks guys for being here. Thank, thank you. you. guys. We'll be right back.
3: Bye.
4: Whether you consider yourself a musician or not, music is all around us and it affects our everyday lives. Whether it's background music influencing our shopping habits in a store, organ music adding the vibe to a baseball game, Or a playlist convincing us to keep going on that last mile of a run. I'm Minty Peterson, host of the podcast Enhanced Life with Music, where we take a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives through the lens of science and health, sports and entertainment, business and education. You can find me and Enhanced Life with Music at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast or wherever you get your audio. Unleash the power of music. Welcome
1: back to Arts for the Health of It. I'm here with Elaine, who's uh, an artist in residence for Hearts Need Art. It's a lot of the same word over and over again. It's very hard to get out (laughs) in one spot. Um, We were just talking about creativity and the elderly, and you have a great project to do with that demographic,
4: correct? Correct. Thanks for having me on today. Of course. So The project we're going to do is called Take a Line for a Walk, and it is a great project for the elderly. It's a great project really for anyone of all ages, all, all creativity and ability levels, it requires no skill and there's no wrong way to do it. So I really love uh, this project. I
1: think this is one of my two favorite things to do with patients in a hospital. The first one would be poor art just because of that element yes, of like yes. crazy surprise and it's super mm-hmm. messy. And this one, because it's so, you have no idea what you're going to make. And I think that's part of the fun. No, this
4: and, it, and, and like I said, there's no wrong way to do it. So people who feel like they don't have a great ability with art there it's it's just not intimidating it's just fun yes yeah
1: and what I like which you might talk about when you're doing it is sometimes in the hospital I love when you make them pass it around so everyone gets to create Mm -hmm. your artwork with you so it's very collaborative so you could do it with family members and Mm -hmm. that's always fun what supplies do
4: people need okay so you want to start with a sharpie any color but I have a black one here um you can do a dark color you know any color, really. But the Sharpie is going to keep the uh, the water-based markers that we're then going to use from bleeding. Okay. So you're going to do your initial line with the Sharpie. I have some heavy paper here. Uh, I use watercolor paper because the markers I use are water-based. And they are able to be smudged with a little water and a Q-tip or a paintbrush. Okay. So the watercolor paper for me just kind of covers all the bases.
1: Could you use, like... Uh, colored pencils or yeah absolutely
4: you can you can use anything if you're using colored pencils then the sharpie it doesn't you know you
3: could use if you're not using another
4: wet media you could use a pen you could use a different colored pencil it's there there are many ways to do this. It's
1: really whatever you have on hand. It's whatever you
4: have on hand.
1: Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm so excited. (laughs) All right here we go.
4: Okay so you can see I've got two different sizes of paper here. So whatever size you have on hand. I just had square paper at home. That's just what I had. It doesn't matter what shape, um, what size. You can do this on large paper, small paper. If you don't have a lot of time, you can just, you know, do it on a smaller piece of paper. But what you're going to do is you're going to start with your line. And this is completely free form. It is wherever the line takes you. So you just want to start... Notice I'm not getting real worked up over this. You know, you can go off the page and then come back on. Because what you want are a lot of these spaces that sort of overlap. Okay, see how I've trapped space in, like I've got these little bits that have overlapped here, right? That's kind of what you want because that's where the design happens. Okay, so you can see that was very... There was no skill to that at all. Some people I've seen do this project with a very geometric type of design, too. You can do that. You can you can mix up geometric and wavy. It's up to you. Could you do it with, like, your eyes closed? Oh, yeah. Be I would say if you're doing that with a Sharpie, though, you better lay something right. down on your table. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, you could totally do that with your eyes closed and just whatever – Whatever happens is kind of where your design is going to go. Okay, so that's the first step. Second step is to just, I use watercolor markers, water-based markers. They have a skinny end and they have a paintbrush end. So these are just easy to work with. And as you'll notice, as I I come up against that black line, it's not going to rub off. That's why the Sharpie is something really good to have. So I'll show you my little trick with the water. These water markers bleed beautifully into, you know, just kind of an ombre effect when you have your, your Q-tip. Um, so any any design that you can do is it, it is okay. And it is not... not something that's i don't sit around and you know predetermine what i'm going to do with this project the beauty of it is that it takes on a life of its own so you just sort of make each little make each little cell um you know something different and What Richard was talking about before, when we've done this project with groups of people, what I'll do as the instructor is we'll start just like, just like we've been going and people will kind of, you know, they'll work for a little while and I'll be like, okay, switch. And it's kind of like the musical chairs of art projects. And so what I'll do is I'll take my piece of paper and pass it to the person to the right. And then they get to work on my piece for a little while which is really fun because when you have a table of, you know, six or eight people, when your piece gets back around to you, then, um, oh, look what, yeah, look what so-and-so drew on my piece, right? It's, um, it's really fun and it's fun to write. You can write messages, you can, you can write, um, song lyrics we've done that activity before but anything that you want to do and I like to keep I love markers anyone who knows me knows this about me Um, but I like to keep several different varieties like I have a few different reds in here I have a few different pinks you know so that I can pull out the different values of the different colors
1: what I think Elaine's really good at too is sometimes she you can start like seeing objects within the lines where suddenly you're like oh my gosh that looks like a giraffe and then oh you're creating, yeah I love when that happens yeah
4: that's actually really fun and that's sort of like the happy accident of this project and um it it's it's designed for fun and for stress relief so so don't be too committed to a certain outcome. Because um, what you want to do is just kind of get into that, you know, get into that flow, kind of that flow state with, with this. And if you have a, if you have a section, you're like, oh, I just messed that up. You know, notice how I'm not being too, too super careful with it. Because what you can do then is just go back with your water and make it into something else right so don't you know you don't have to feel too attached to oh and some yellow would be great there so you just kind of just drop in what you think would can would you talk great. about
1: the type of markers that you're using because they're not just like crayola water based right, markers, right
4: those would work fine too uh-huh. um it's 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 good if you're gonna use the water component kind of like what we're doing here It's good to have a sturdy paper. So the paper I I use, you just get it Hobby Lobby. It's a Strathmore series four watercolor paper. Um, And it holds up well to that scrubbing that that happens with a Q-tip or with a paintbrush. Um, The type of markers I use are uh, by Tombow. It is an artist marker. They're acid-free and water-based. So they, they respond really well to the smudging that we do with this project that, you know, that you can do. They also are very long lasting. So I can keep these in a cup for, you know, a year (laughs) and I go back and they're not, they're not all dried out, you know, which I have to say, I appreciate because markers are expensive. So really, again, anything goes with this, with this project. And You just want to make each little cell, each little trapped area of space, something different. And some people will even do, um, you know, if they're feeling brave, they will do something representative in one of the spaces. Like they'll draw a picture of their pet or, you know, do like a cool cityscape or, you know, really, really, you can just do anything. And, um, I tend to lean more toward the design. Uh, you know, I love stripes and circles and, you know, bold designs, I think look great when you've completed the piece and then you kind of stand back, and take a look at it. So like this one, see with the green, I'm just kind of dropping in kind of that shadow and stripe effect.
1: How did you become an an artist in residence? Where did you hear about even what that is?
4: And how did you get connected with it? So I had a really uh, good friend. Her husband was in the hospital fighting leukemia. And I was just on Facebook one day and she had made a post. They were in their hospital room and the squirrel was singing to them and they were dancing and i just thought to myself wow that is just that's so beautiful and I, and i knew i knew what a tough time they'd been having and how long they had been in the hospital and how um how hard that had been and so i went on the website i looked up hearts need art i went on the website and they said they were looking for visual artists and so um, uh, my background: uh, I studied uh, studio art at the University of Texas, so I have an art degree. And I thought, you know what? I can do this, and I want to do this. So I started volunteering in the hospital, and the rest is history. Yeah, yeah it's been it's been one of the greatest blessings of my life, and I just. I'm so, uh, so lucky to still get to do this, so.
1: You have an art degree, but many people do not. Right. Why, why do you think it's important to be creative and to do things like as easy as this is? Mm -hmm.
4: So I feel like kind of, you know, the stress of our daily lives, you know, everyone can everyone can comment or the, on that or connect with it. Um, the arts to me are, you know, whether your, whether your creativity is um, singing or crafting or drawing or cooking or any of that, it takes you into that state that, that once you have, once you've begun an art project and you look up and hours have gone by and you didn't realize um, that you were just in that creative place for that long, I think we call it flow state. And that is where the best um, the best benefits of engaging in art experiences occur. Um, you just, you kind of lose track of time, but you also, it really helps you de-stress. Um, it's a form of self-expression. So sometimes if you're, you know, wow, I really don't feel like journaling today or whatever, I can I can express myself through color, through creativity, through, you know, photography, through music, through acting, through cooking, any of those things. So
1: And it doesn't oh, have to be something important. you put out to the general
4: public. That's the thing. No, 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 no. I have so many pieces of art that I just keep for myself. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I share with my kids. Or, you know, yes, I have some that are hanging on my walls, but not a lot.
1: <laughs> I, I've said it a million times on this program. Most of my art gets hung on the walls of a garbage can. Oh, but well, that's okay because it's that's the point okay. Where I'm not making it to be hung in a museum. I'm making it for
4: the process of making it. Exactly. For the process. And the and the process is personal to each person. And so like when we're working in the hospital with patients, you know, I'll, I'll always tell them like, this is your, this is your hour and you, you know, make it how you want it to be. And, um, you know, this is about you. It's, you know, ask me questions, of course, but this is about you and your process. And I love this one. It looks like fire kind of, and then so. that looks like water. Oh yeah see like and 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 that stuff just it just sort of comes out and then you 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 have this piece you're like, oh, that looks like fire and water together. I didn't consciously intend for that to happen, but it did. So you know, final question while you're finishing. Okay, up.
1: okay okay. do you have like a favorite story from being in the hospital? Um, something that someone made or, someone you met that just like changed your life
4: I met so many people so many people um and 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 I'm hoping of course to meet many more um I think I'm a mom so I think that when I am working with patients who are separated from their children you know they're they're there for many many weeks months at a time um that that kind of speaks to me because I know how hard that must be and so when when I'm working with patients who um I want to do something for my kids or this is about my kids um I can really I can really sort of identify with that and understand it so but all around it's been it's been a great great experience
1: Go to our website, heartseenart.org, click on the podcast link, and we will put the um, the video of this on there, the supplies list, and all the show notes from today. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching or listening, and we will see you or you will hear us next week. Thanks for watching. Keep Great. creating, everyone.
4: Thank you.
0: Thanks. It's written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create arts for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heart Seed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice